Stand with me, Psalms 23, our summer series, All I Need, All I Need. I'm going to read out of the King James Version, and for this series, will you say it with me? The Lord is my shepherd. You may be seated this morning. Would you join with me one more time uh, as I pray for myself and you pray for me this morning. God, I too am filled with mixed emotions this morning. My great love for them and a feeling of loss to, to the degree it is as well, Lord. But it's my responsibility to preach your word. And I'm asking you for clarity of mind and thought and speech and that my tongue would be like the pen of a ready writer this morning, O Lord, that I would send forth your truth in such a clarion way, an anointed way, that it would go deep into the fabric of our soul and change the way we view life and you. Let us take within ourselves the prescription of Psalms 23. It is the prescription for all that ails us, all that troubles us, and all that worries us. May we see you, O Lord, high and lifted up, and may your glory fill the temple of our hearts. Open our eyes, O Lord, that we may see, and our ears that we might hear, that we might be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you missed last Sunday, I encourage you to go back on the website and watch it, because it's going to be a concurrent uh, teaching throughout the summer on Psalm 23, the prescription, God's prescription, as David, King David, looks over his shoulder, the history of his life, and he starts out by just telling people his belief system. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Not some God, not a God, but God Almighty, the Creator, is, not was, not will be, but the Lord is my. He's not just the shepherd of Israel. He's my personal shepherd who watches over me, prepares for me, protects me, provides for me. And he says, shepherd. He's the one that I look to. He speaks to me. He said, my sheep hear my voice and another one's voice they will not follow. So for David, many commentators agree that this was written potentially around the time when Absalom was coming to take his kingdom. And his, his soldiers would come in and say, what are we to do? He said, he can have it. I didn't fight to get it. I'm not going to fight to keep it. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is the one that goes before me. And we're going to take this phrase this morning as part two, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That does not mean that you don't have a longing or desire. See, if you never experience lack, then how could God provide the lack? It's speaking more to a maturation, a perspective that sees that in God I have everything and he has the capacity to give everything that I need. Our problem is not our problem. 
Our problem is not how clearly we see our problems, but how fuzzy God is to us. The Lord is my shepherd. And as my shepherd, God will provide everything that I need. Worry is the equivalent of grabbing the shirt of God and pulling him off the throne and saying, I must worry because you might not be faithful. But if we can, like David, see ourselves as defenseless, sheep are unable to provide, unable to defend, sheep are dumb. I don't know if any of you have ever read or, or, or experienced, lived on a farm. If you, if you got a, a bunch of sheep up here and somehow trained or got one of them to jump over the speaker, and then you moved the speaker off the stage, the rest of them would come in this spot and just jump, even though there's no speaker. David said, I'm not confused. You would call me king of Israel. I would say, I'm just a sheep in need of the great shepherd. And if I have this shepherd, he... See, our earthly fathers are limited. Leanne alluded to that. But my heavenly father is not limited in any capacity. Knows all, sees all, owns all, controls all. And the calmness of heart comes in the revelation. We, we, we move from information about God to revelation of God. And that revelation calms our soul. God will provide everything that I need. I pray for Drew today, the same Lord that spoke to my young heart, and I saw it. I said, I'm not going to need for anything because where the finger of God points, the hand of God is attached to provide. God meets the needs, not just of our family, but our callings, our vocations. God provides. Everything that was written aforetime, the Bible said, was written for your learning, that you might have comfort through the Scriptures. Before He even made Adam, what did He do? Come on. Created the earth, the ecosystems, sun, moon, water, lakes, rivers, ocean, cattle, fowl, fish, and He made chicken. Thank you, Lord. He made it all. made it all. Then he scoops up some mud out of a creek bed and makes this mud man, breathes into him the breath of life. And when he came to, the first thing he saw was provision. From the very beginning. See, we see provision, or we see once we're aware of a need, then worry sets in. But if you see the pattern of God, before the foundation of the earth was laid, he knew if he gave us free will that we would sin. And if we sin, we'd be separated from him. So he slayed the Lamb of God before the foundation of the earth was laid. So by the time we sinned, there was already a Savior. God provides. When I answered the call to be an evangelist, the number one expense of an evangelist was travel. And three years before, my wife was work, got a job with Delta. And the number one expense of an evangelist was travel. And I traveled free anywhere in the world. It's just a coincidence. God provides. You need to see that provision is not there when you see it. Provision was there before you needed it. This isn't about, listen, don't get caught up in this name it, claim it, I have excess saturation. We're talking about a condition of the heart, not a silo. I'm not talking about how full the silo is is I don't have to worry for nothing. I shall not want for anything. Anything. 
He will provide because it's his nature. It's his purpose, his person. Matthew 6, don't be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat or drink or wear. Your life's more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than them? Have you ever seen a worried bird? Think about it. You wake up and you hear the little tweeting in the tree and there's one on the ground, his hands behind it. Oh, just scratching. <sighs> Chewing bugs off him. Hey, what's wrong, little bird? And God equips him so he can talk. What if there's no worms today? What if the, what if the bird bath, there's no, what, what, what are we, what are we going to do? And that sounds so absurd to us, but it's right there in front of us. And God said, if you'll just look, first the natural, then the spiritual. My creation doesn't worry. They're not, they may have to gather, but birds don't even know to plant. But God thought of them in the ecosystem and everybody's food. I don't know if you know that or not. Everybody's food. All the animals are food. This worm has provision, but then the bird gets him, and then the cat gets the bird, and then my dog pork chop gets the cats. That's the way it is how it works. Oh, he's killed about a dozen. Don't, 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 don't. It's his nature. God provides because he's capable. God provides because he promises to provide. Just that. When you get to situations where it's difficult, you ought to have the same mindset is in your fullness. God's, cap- God's ability and God's promises do not waver based upon my need. He is by himself. God told Abram to offer his son Isaac and he walked him up the mountain. And he said, the boy and I go yonder to worship and we'll come again. And he raised the knife to his son and as he drove the knife towards him, the voice from heaven said, stop! Withhold your hand. And he looked and there was a ram whose horns were caught in a thicket of thorns. How'd that ram get there? Did God, now remember, God doesn't do magic. So the same time Abraham's walking up one side of the mountain, God, who speaks ram, tells this one to walk up the other side of the mountain. And at just the right time, that ram hears something and goes in the, the thicket and gets hung Because God knew what Abram was going to need at that moment. And then Abraham said, Jehovah Jireh, which means the self-existent one who chooses to express himself. That's Jehovah. Jireh means provide. He said, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Now, what happened in the mount? The law was given. And on Mount Calvary, the law was fulfilled. And Christ Jesus... Our needs, it says that our Father will meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And if God spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, will he not with him freely give us everything else we need? I'm not giving you a message on how to get what you want from God. I'm giving you a message on how to rest. How to be okay when the winds are blowing and the current is against you. How to learn how to live in the penthouse or the poorhouse in sickness or in health. And when people want you to worry with them, you say, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not worried about anything. I took Izzy and Olivia to see Miss Doris June this this week. She had hip surgery, so remember to pray for her. And she was asking me, is this a hospital? And I said, no, it's kind of like a, a rehab center. They're helping her get well again. And she said, hmm, the Lord's my doctor. 
I said, he is. Mm-hmm. And I said, now, he uses people, though. He's, mm-hmm. But she said, but he's my doctor. A little boy said one time to stand up and say Psalm 23, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's all I want. <laughs> what was David trying to say to us? He was trying to say, if you just believe and you just take your hands off of it and you just give it time through faith and patience, you will inherit all the promises. God will provide. God provides every spiritual need that we have. I shall not want for forgiveness. I shall not want for guidance. You'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I shall not want for intimacy. Draw near to me, God says, and I'll draw near to you. I shall not want for power or giftings. The Holy Spirit dividing to every man severally as he wills. I shall not want for opportunity. Your gift will make room for you. I shall not want for confirmations or tokens or favor or blessings. And you shall not want for victory. Now thanks be unto God who causes us to always triumph through Christ. What is it today that you need? And see, one of our problems is we confuse our wants with our needs. And you say, Brother John, does God want us to have wants? Of course. Our trouble comes in, and I'm getting to a later part of my message here, but our trouble comes in not in knowing the difference between needs and wants necessarily, but not knowing and realizing that God has perfect knowledge concerning the wants. I told you about how I can take Izzy and Olive to the dollar store and spend 50 bucks on prizes. And on the way home, they say, can we stop at the playground? No. Oh! And fall out in the car. I just did the dollar store for an hour and a half. And we, they forget. And they think because they did not get the want that now life is ending. Isn't it funny how we can laugh at our children and not see ourselves? I better skip that part in this. <laughs> it's not just what God gives. It's how he gives it blesses us. He gives freely. He gives joyfully. He gives liberally. He gives perfectly. He gives naturally and supernaturally. One of the greatest weapons against fear is keeping the blessings of God ever before your eyes. I heard a story recently. Uh, Terry Theus gave me a CD of Dr. Mark Rutland, and he had told this story, but I'd also read it in my commentary the same week, so it was confirmation. that After World War II, a lot of the orphans, uh, they were made orphans during the war. Um, they, would, they gathered them together, and they tended them medically. They... Uh, got them in a safe environment, house parents. They clothed them, they fed them, but the children wouldn't sleep. The children couldn't sleep. And one of the psychologists told him, he said, let, let me try something. And because they had been in lack for so long, living in the streets by themselves, not knowing, the psychologist said, let me do something. And he took loaves of bread and he would give each of them a piece of bread as they went to bed. And he said, now, I want you to do this for me. Are you full? Have you had all you want? Don't eat this. Just hold it. This is my promise to you that when you wake up tomorrow, there'll be more. The first night, they slept like a rock. Can you imagine what it's like to look over at all those double 
bunks of little children in different positions holding a piece of bread, some holding it like this, some holding it like this. God has given you not a piece of bread, but the earnest of your inheritance in you. He has sealed you with the Holy Spirit. He has put his breath, ak, wind, inside of you, which is his promise to you that you are his, not just property, possession, but child, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. And the witness of the Spirit is to be louder in a whisper than the thunder of your own doubt. He said, I don't care what it looks like. Some people can describe their problems way more clearly than they can describe the nearness of God in their life. You point to my problems. I'm the object of his affection and God is going to take care of me. Where can I sleep? God gives unexpectedly, surprisingly. When I stepped out on the evangelistic field, I was doing that and cutting grass and, you know, selling life insurance and barbecue and knitting hats and anything I could do to to keep going. And I was kind of discouraged. I would... uh, Cut grass on Saturdays like 13 or 14 hours, you know, just all day from can to can't. Uh, if I wasn't preaching on Sunday, I'd cut Sunday evening. And I was just telling the Lord, I said, you know, uh, sometimes it's like, God, I'm not sure if you see me. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all I know to do. And there was this, any of y'all ever did pick up jobs for people? There's some, sometimes you get a job with strange people. But money's money. And you do a good job, and these people were kind of out there, and they found out I was a preacher, and it's kind of like they knew enough to get all the stories mixed up. And so I wasn't expecting anything from them. They, they just I cut the grass, and, you know, sometimes they'd be in their pajamas at like 4 in the afternoon, and, you know, it's just, just it was weird. And so I'm cutting grass one time, and uh, the lady comes out in kind of a TBN robe kind of thing, you know, with frou-frou and, you know, I'm serious. You just, you just don't know. And she came outside, and, and he come right behind her, and he was significantly older, like I'm older than Kelly. And if Jesus tarries, I don't know what this is going to look like in about 30 years. I told her what is going to happen. I said, Kelly, don't worry, baby. You're going to age so exponentially that by the time we get to the end of the life, I'm going to be telling everybody we were childhood sweethearts. <laughs> She said, but this lady came outside and you remember I've taught you it's never about the thing. God's always trying to, through things, put his hands through the drapes and say, do you see me? I'm right here. She came outside and she, you know, I'm weed eating. I'm, you know, grass sticks to sweat. Okay. Yeah. And if you have a dog in the yard, it's a whole different joy. Uh, so I'm just covered, head to toe, dirt, you know. Uh, and she comes out, and she's in a robe, and she's waving at him. He's coming behind in the silk pajamas, and he's waving. And I was like, oh, you know, I need to turn it off. Yes, she said, I won't keep you. But the Lord spoke to my husband and I, and this is what I heard. Have you considered my servant, John? And so we just want to give you a check, and the Lord wants you to have this. And just gave it to me and went back inside. God ain't supposed to speak through weird people. Right? That'll mess your theology. That'll rock your theology, won't it? So here's this 
wealthy couple that counts nickels. You know, I can hardly get to pay out of the job. And open it up, and it was $1,500. Now, that ain't a lot to some of y'all. I did the happy dance. I was like, oh, oh, oh Lord. <laughs> Woo! I, was, I had a spell. I was thanking the Lord in all different languages. But I got to the car, and it dawned on me very quickly when I was done. And I looked at the check. I put the check down. And this is a summary of what happened to me as a young minister. Because, see, I was about to pastor. I was about to have nothing and buy a sports town. He said, John, I'm going to surprise you. You ain't got to figure this thing out. And I'm behind things you would never expect. Never expect. How valuable, invaluable, is that confidence that I don't have to hint or manipulate or maneuver. I just have to walk behind my shepherd and he, while I was sleeping, sought out green pastures for me to lie down in. I shall not want for anything. Nothing. God gives not only according to need, but according to faith. God would not place upon us an expectation that he himself was not willing to meet. Listen to this. Listen, especially my fathers. But if any man would not provide, consider in advance to look out for beforehand for his own, especially for his family, that man is denied his faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So if God would say to a man, if you don't take care of your family, and I wouldn't give you 11 cents for a man that would not take care of his family. Just throw that out there for free. Because we were designed to provide. Okay. He said, if a man does not work, uh, provide for his own, that he does not plan in advance and give all that he has to take care of them, he is worse than an infidel. He's denied his faith. If that's the standard for man, what's the standard for God? So see, when you see it in the Word, so God's going to put an expectation on me that he won't meet? I don't have to worry. Where's it coming from? Some of you are going to enter into the joy of the phrase, I don't know. I don't know. Who's the next guy, John? Follow Drew. I don't know. But we didn't see Drew and Kim coming. And isn't God wonderful? I shall not want for staff. I shall not want for a place. It's all his. I shall not want for my babies. I shall not want. Because God is faithful. The revelation of God as our provider is the pathway to great peace for you. Listen to this. Jesus said it. Learn of me, Matthew eleven twenty nine, and you'll find rest unto your souls. If you'll just learn how I do, it'll change the way you live. When you walk out t- today, if, if you find any birds, they're all under a shade tree somewhere. They're like, you can't find them. It's hot, guys. We had a reprieve last week, but I mean hot. I saw people at a dog park imitating trees, just trying to get a relief, a little relief. <laughs> Sorry. That wasn't in my notes. It just came out. You'll get it later. Anything for a little cold. So learn of me and you'll find rest of your souls. What does that mean? Watch creation. How did I do? Look at Calvary. How did I do? 
I told you what I'm preparing for you up in heaven. How did I do? Isn't it sad that you'll believe him for eternity and won't believe him for today? That's crazy. So he's going to prepare mansions for us. The city, the new city, Jerusalem. And there's no need for the sun because Jesus will be the light thereof. And we'll, ne- we'll never have sorrow, nor crying, nor pain. For all those former things will pass away and God's going to make everything new. But you better worry about this week. Stay on it. Because God may be asleep. We are confused. We think that God is like a grown-up us. And holy does not just mean without sin. It means I'm altogether different from you. You can't categorize me. But I'll tell you this, I'll never fail you. I'll never fail you. You may not have all you want, and I'll get to this in a moment, but you'll have everything that I want you to have, and that comes from perfect knowledge. But what if there's another side to this verse? Perhaps another implication or application that would bring great benefit to us as believers. Maybe I shall not want is more than just a promise. Maybe it's David's proclamation. An attitude of mind and heart that David is expressing after many years of seeing God's faithfulness and having a front row seat at his own failures. Maybe he's trying to tell us, I'm going to stop choosing for myself. Now this is, this is very deep and profound and some of you are just going to gloss over it and not grasp it because how, how do you take such a truth? That God would give you absolute free will and you turn it 100% over to him and say, pick from me. Everything within you chafes against that because God doesn't understand and if I do that, he's not going to give me what I want. I did not get this lesson until four years ago. And your pastor is more flawed than anyone in this building. But I got this. When he gave me my little girls, and we had prayed and prayed for a biological child, and we prayed and prayed. And I'm just giving you the cliff notes. This is a long process. Just in my spirit one day. And it wasn't audible, and it wasn't a vision. It was just in my spirit. It's like a dialogue in my heart. And said... How about I give you a boy, Kelly's womb. He'll look like you. Have your DNA. I'm like, he can look like Kelly if that's okay. You understand me? He'll be yours. But you got to give me the little girls. No way. Would you be? No way. So then I knew better than you did. Because wouldn't you give the greater for the lesser? I didn't plan on Two heartstrings that own me. They own me. There is nothing in this world that I love more than them. But we thought, and I'm going to tell you another thing. For those of you that don't understand adoption, and you think, oh, that's nice, and they're not even yours. I go a year without even thinking they're adopted. I never even think about it. Them's minds. Them's minds. See, you might have had your baby by accident. We chose ours. Just thought I'd tell you that. Just thought I'd tell you that free. Maybe David is saying to us, I've learned through some stupid choices. He saw Bathsheba. I desire her. He counted the armies to see if, if he had enough. And he was making choices based upon his needs that were very clear to him. He said, when I choose wrong at pivotal times, 
It has been the destruction of families, kingdoms, and decades of pain and sorrow. I think he was also not only saying God will provide, he said, I'm going to stop choosing. Now listen to this. As God's sheep, are you willing to choose not to want? Now I don't mean have a longing. I mean the want that leads to grasping. Listen to this. I shall not want things that are unlawful. She wasn't my wife. That was not allowed. And I'm not choosing anything on purpose that's unlawful. I shall not want things that are a hindrance. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race set before us. If it weighs me down in my walk with God, I shall not choose it. I'm not, I shall not want that thing. I reject it. I may have a longing, but I will not satisfy that longing. I will not let it happen. I shall not want things that are unnecessary. I shall not want things outside of God's will, even if they're allowed. You hear people talk about the permissive will of God. You need to, in your prayer time, outside of the Scripture, which is the more sure word of prophecy, as you seek the Lord. And what I mean by that is God doesn't tell you, thus saith the Lord, go to Geico. He doesn't tell you where to work. But as you seek the Lord on where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do, you ask him what's your perfect will. Not what you'll allow. What's your perfect will? You can get hit by a submarine on Bass Road in the permissive will of God. That was funny. Nobody left. That was very You say, what do you mean? I said, you you don't want to be in the permissive will of God. You want to be in the perfect will of God. And here's, this is for someone this morning. I know it. I shall not want things before their time. We discern when it's time by how much we want it. Little Elisha, we're already spending time. And he's growing on me, by the way. He's he's growing on me. And the girls can't stand it. They're so jealous. They're so jealous. And one day, I'm going to teach him to shave. Any of y'all remember shaving with the bottom end of uh, Army Man? Y'all remember, guys, you put the Army Man in the soap and you learn to shave? And what, what if he's like, I want to shave. Well, it's not time to shave yet. I want to drive. You're eight. It's not time to drive yet. And we see it in our children, but we don't see it in us. Some of the blessings that we know would make us very, very happy today, God knows would destroy us tomorrow. And how do you explain to a child it's not time until they're old enough to realize you were really smart? What is it? The 15-year-old said his daddy knew nothing. 25-year-old said he was really smart. 35-year-old said my dad knew everything. And the 55-year-old said my dad was the smartest man that ever lived in the world. Our problem is probably that we don't believe God knows what we know and won't choose what we want So we can't trust it. I shall not want for anything before it's time. May I speak to those that are single, that are longing for companions? Loneliness, if you've never lived lonely, you ought to keep your mouth off people that are lonely. It's it's a a great burden. It's uh, dark at times. But there's a flip side to that too. Being lonely has its, being alone has its benefits. You can go to bed when you want to go to bed. Eat what you want to eat. You can wear pajamas for four days if you want to. You can do what you want to do. And 
I'm just telling you as a pastor, I'm really trying to just teach this morning and help you. For every lonely man or woman that you can show me, I can show you 20 that married out of the will of God. I don't want nothing for its time. And I know some of y'all saying, you know, I'm 25. My clock's ticking. That ain't in no Bible. I brought twins home from the hospital at 50 years old. Take that. I'm supposed to be easing into the recliner, watching babies go off to school. I have a 34-year-old and a 2-year-old. Do you hear me? But we want it in his time. I shall not want for anything that would dishonor God or my testimony. I shall not want what other people have. I shall not want for anything that doesn't come from my shepherd. I shall not want anything that strengthens my old man. I shall not want anything that takes glory away from my Lord or makes me less dependent upon him. I shall not want for anything that would cause me not to be ready for his return. Did you know that some people with very strong work ethics and very passionate and live sacrificially to attain a certain level of financial blessing, the Lord has kept that from you because your blessing would be your cursing. The scripture's full. Of, he said, now, don't get over here in this land and have your houses and lands and forget the Lord. I'll, I'll give you, I'm going to give you one close to home. It's embarrassing, but it's true. In the assemblies of God, uh, I'm... I don't want this to sound wrong. Just please just take it as I'm offering it. If I did anything right, we pioneered the church right. We've got seven churches, and Drew's going to be separate, but he's family. I mean, just churches, churches, churches. And I've never been asked, not one time, to teach on church planning. And I remember several years ago, they asked a friend of mine who had about 20 people in his church to teach in the Assemblies of God conference on church planning. And I'm thinking... And you know how you get 20, 6, 7 churches. Add them up, got about 3,000. What's up? This not acknowledged, not known. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, what's... And this is, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a summary, but this is honestly how it went. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm never recognized. And he said, oh, because it would ruin you because you don't have the character for praise. All right, I'll check back with you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. Hey, it hit like a hammer, and I walked off. I wept before the Lord. I said, I don't have the characters. It ruined you. See, you think something's being kept from you, and it is, because I love you more than what you want, and I am fine with being a nobody because my shepherd knows what field of grass would kill my soul? And he knows what field of grass would keep me from looking. If I've got a kingdom here, I won't be looking for a kingdom to come. And now my eyes are heavenward. And I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God Almighty. This is not my home. I don't want to be recognized here. I want to be recognized there. Oh, so he kept something from me. I'm being more honesty. I'm just going to walk around in the bathrobe, I guess, today. Just honest, honest. (laughs) I probably didn't have children when I was young because I wouldn't have been a good dad. Truth. 
self-centered, immature, selfish. Good thing the Lord picked for me. And the key to your life is not maneuvering things for him to do what you want. It's to lie down in your green pasture and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for anything. I shall not want because I believe God is providing for me perfectly. Lisa, if you would come this morning, please. Perfectly. I'm going to pose the question to you. The Bible says, as for the Lord, his way is perfect. And I I feel the weight of not only teaching you God's word, but teaching you my experiences. It's kind of like watching somebody putt and say, the green broke this way for me. The Lord has led me into wildernesses before. The Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness. Don't you think the Spirit will lead you into wildernesses? He leads us into places of limitation and confinement. He's not the author of confusion, but he'll allow confusion so that you'll learn what truth feels like and so you'll learn what it feels like for clarity to come. I've got a sister of mine in this church who I've prayed for for years now for a continuing condition. I got another who buried her husband not too long ago. What kind of faith does it say, take to say, As for the Lord, his way is perfect. I don't mean a rollover and just say, whatever will be, will be. No, I'm praying, but you pick for me. The faith to say that even if this goes against everything that I want or feel that I need, I'm going to trust you to pick for me. That is hard, but it's possible. And only those who have the spiritual capacity to look back reflectively on how God has done can do it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want for healing. I shall not want for provision. I shall not want for promotion. I shall not want for wholeness. In its time and in its way, God is going to have his way in my life. Perfect plans. Listen, perfect ways, perfect timing. Perfect expressions, perfect liberality, perfect knowledge, and in perfect love, God provides. Okay, Brother John, what are you trying to say? I'm saying if you don't have it today, it's not your current need. If you don't have it today, it may cause you harm if you had it today. And finally, if you don't have it today... It doesn't mean you won't have it tomorrow. Can I close with this quick story out of the Bible? Jesus was at the wedding of Cana in Galilee. By the way, Jesus wasn't some stoic, like a druid monk with a hood that walked around. "Um." First of all, you don't invite them to parties. And secondly, children don't jump up in the lap of a man wearing a hood that doesn't smile. Jesus would have children crawling all over him. So he was invited to the party, and they ran out of wine. And by the way, it wasn't, Jesus didn't make Mad Dog 2020. Don't, that's stupid. 
They provided an intoxicating wine. Jesus provided a miraculous wine that tasted better than the other. But they said, Jesus, they've run out of wine. He said, what's, it's, what's it to me? It's not time. And then immediately he turned and said, hey, go get those water pots and fill them all to the brim with water. And they did what he said, and it turned to wine. Why is this recorded? There's something hidden there if you'll just watch. Just a second ago, he told his mama, it's not time. One second passed, and he said, go fill the water pots up. And I speak over you today, you may be one tick of the clock away from God's provision. The Lord is your shepherd. I shall not want for peace. I shall not want for prosperity. I shall not want for protection. I shall not want for perfection. I shall not want for his promises. Surely, goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. And I'm going to live with God forever. I'm his and he is mine. Today, if I know the heart of the Lord for this sermon, he doesn't want to fill your bags up with goodies. He wants to fill your soul with his spirit to where you're good. How is it? Good. Why can you say that? The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not. Lord, we just humble ourselves before you. Speak for myself as well. We got so far to go. Open our eyes, O Lord, that we might see you fully. Restore unto us the joy of thy salvation. Renew a right spirit within us, O Lord. May we cast all our care upon you because you care for us. May we be anxious for nothing but by with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let our requests be made known unto you, O God. And leave the results with you. How can we enjoy today fully if we're dissatisfied? Help us, Lord. Help me, O oh God, to see that you choose for me with perfect knowledge. Perfect knowledge. Church family, would you look this way one more time? I wasn't supposed to share this and... I was hoping to preach on this uh, in the coming months, but I don't know who's here supposed to hear this, but I want to give you very quickly, three minutes, we're done. There's a story one day in the Bible where Simon came to Jesus and said, are, are we supposed to pay the, the getting the taxes? And Jesus said, well, do the children of the king pay taxes? And he said, no, but are we supposed to pay taxes? He goes, okay, never mind, Simon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go fishing, go to the lake. And by the way, this lake was, I think it's 60 miles across, or I forgot how vast it was, but hundreds of thousands of square foot, you know. And he said, and the first fish you catch, first one, open his mouth, take the money out of his mouth and go pay the tax. Okay, time out. Which way is he going to go? Here's a lake. Which dock is he going to go? Or is he going to go in a cove? Is he going to go in a boat? Jesus said, it don't matter. I'm going to make sure your provision gets to your hook. It don't matter. Go. So he goes, and it's not a net because it says the first fish that you catch. So he threw out his line, brings him in. If this is me, I'm scared. Because what if you catch this fish and there's no money in it? But that ain't what scares me. 
What scares me is what if you catch the fish and there is money in it? So he reels it in, pulls the fish up on shore. It's probably like anybody looking, <laughs> you know. He opens his mouth. He goes, drops the fish. My Lord and my God. So you knew that somebody either dropped it, threw it in, it fell out of their pocket. You knew which fish swallowed it. And you orchestrated the fish to come to my hook. No mention of bait. He just said throw a hook in. So just a shiny hook. Isn't that crazy? So he goes home holding a fish. By the way, for y'all, those of you that fish, if you can put your hand in his mouth, you've got supper too. You hear me? you got supper right there. So you got the fish and the coin, and he's going back to the Lord. You can drop the fish. You can drop the coin. I'm walking with God, ain't I? The Lord is your shepherd. Would you stand with me this morning? God wants you to know this morning through his word that before you were born, he's prepared. And in this world, you're going to have tribulation and difficulty and testing. But be of good cheer because your father has overcome the whole world through Christ the Lord. And you're his And I say this over you as the under-shepherd of this church. You are cared for. Let him care for you. May it be said of you in your home, I shall not want. And may rest be your most favorite chorus that you sing. God bless you today. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.